You are listening to the Refinery Church Podcast. Each message is from our most recent weekend service located on our downtown Brea campus. We hope you are encouraged and strengthened from today's episode. Now for a timely message from Senior Pastor Kelly Fellows. So we're taking the summer. Hopefully you have a a journal. If you don't have one of these journals, you can pick one up at the Connect Center. We're taking our journal. We're opening up the Bible, and we're going through the book of joy called Philippians. Everybody say Philippians. Philippians. It's a letter written by Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit about joy. The book of joy is what it's referred to as. And joy is something that God wants each of us to experience every single day. Not just in the good times, but in the challenging times, in the difficult times, in the storms of life. We can know joy. And that's what God wants us to experience. That's why when Jesus was here on earth, and this has been kind of a theme verse for this summer, Jesus said these words when he was here on earth. He said this in the book of John chapter 15, verse 11. He says, I have told you all these things, all the things that he said, that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Jesus wants us to know his joy to overflowing, overflowing. All of his words were spoken so that you could have a whole lot of joy, a whole lot of joy, not just a little, but a whole lot. And last week, we, we began to get into chapter one, the first half of chapter one, and we saw that Paul, the apostle Paul, was able to have joy even in his difficult circumstances because he had a particular mindset. Isn't that right? If you were here last week, you caught that. If you didn't catch that message, as, as Justin said, check out our podcast or go on YouTube to We Are Refinery, and you can follow up on the past messages. But here's what Paul said about his situation. He says this in Philippians chapter one. It says, and I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything, say everything. Everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. Paul's joy tank was full because he saw that everything he went through was an opportunity. It was an opportunity. This week, I want to focus on three mindsets that Paul had that we can have that will help us to adjust and understand what it means to have joy. All of chapter one is about a mindset. It dictates the level of joy that we can experience. This week, we're going to focus on the second half of chapter one. And if you're following along with us online, if you're watching with us online or you're traveling, this week we're going to wrap up chapter one and next week we're going to jump into chapter two. But let's take a look at Paul and his mindset and see the three very significant or types of mindset that filled his tank. Take a look at Philippians chapter one, verses 20 through 26. Paul says this, for I fully expect and hope that I'll never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sake, it is better that I continue to live. Knowing this, I'm convinced 
that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. And when I come to you again, which was a faith statement, you will have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because of what he is doing through me. Man, what a perspective. Remember, this guy's in prison, chained to a Roman guard. He'd been beaten. He'd been stoned. He'd been shipwrecked. And he says these words. And did you hear the words in there? There were three very specific types. And take a look on the screen what those types are. It was focus, purpose, and intentionality. If you're a note taker, you're going to want to write this down. The three types of, of mindset was focus, purpose, and intentionality. Intentionality. The key verse that I believe here is found in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, and I actually uh, read it to you, but I want to focus on the New King James Version. It was the one I memorized when I was a young man, and it helps fuel me and keep me going. Here's what it says. It says, for me to live is Christ, and to, but to die and to die is gain. See, Paul knew why he was alive. He knew his purpose on earth. And this knowledge gave him joy in the midst of difficult times. Uh, many of you might be familiar with a rather famous pastor, one of the most famous modern pastors in our time, a man by the name of Rick Warren. Founded, started, and pastored a church called Saddleback Church in the South Orange County area. For those of you who don't know him, maybe you don't know that he was a pastor or a church pastor or church planter. Maybe you've heard of his very popular book called Purpose Driven Life. He wrote it back in 2002. Hard to believe for some of us who read it thinking, man, that was 20 years ago. 20 years ago, this last year, he celebrated 50 million copies in print. It's now listed as one of the top nonfiction books sold in all of history. Incredible. The number one nonfiction book ever sold in history. Can anybody guess what it might be? The Bible. The Bible. Hundreds of millions of copies have been available. Still number one. But Pastor Rick in his book says that the way we can know joy, the way we can know uh, fulfillment is when we understand and realize that we were created on purpose and for a purpose. That's the whole premise of his writing there, is that we were created on purpose and for a purpose. When you were inside your mama's belly, and all of us were inside mommy's bellies at one time, unless you were in a test tube, but even I think that technology still requires a mom to host the baby. All of us spent some time in our mom's wombs. Every single person watching online, out there under the tent, or even in person, we were all in our mommy's bellies. And according to the Bible in Psalm 139, verse 13, God says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made and that he knit you together in your mother's womb. I love that terminology in Psalm 139, verse 13. God knit you together in your mommy's womb, meaning he was at work doing something on purpose. He was working on you, shaping you and forming you in your mother's womb on purpose and for a purpose. Before you were born, God had a purpose for your life. Later on, a few verses later, it says that all your days have been ordained since the beginning of time. You know what that means? You are not an accident. Some of you need to hear that. 
Some of you watching online need to hear those words. You are not an accident. I mean, maybe you heard this when you were growing up that maybe you were an oops. You know, mom and dad didn't plan for you. Oops, yeah. <laughs> we weren't planning for you. You know, <laughs> we had three. You're number four. We never expected to have number four. You were an accident. Here's the reality, though. You are not an accident. God knit you together in your mother's womb fearfully and wonderfully making you. Many of you know my story. My mom was a teenage girl, 19 years old, going to school in Arizona. Her and her boyfriend got together one night. And when I say got together, you know what I'm talking about? Keep it PG. Lo and behold, she was pregnant. Accident? Maybe they weren't planning it. But God said, oh, I got a plan for him. 54 years later, here I am. Thank God. Thank God. I'm not an accident. God has a plan and a purpose for my life, and I'm still here, thank God. As a teenage boy, I was discouraged and despondent after my adopted mom, Vivian Fellows, passed away. I was lost and struggling, didn't feel like life was worth living. And I began to contemplate, you know what? I don't even need to live anymore. And God reached down out of heaven. Many of you have heard my testimony. Reached down out of heaven. And I saw on my coffee table in my living room this little yellow piece of paper. And I began to read the printing that was on it. And it was a story about this person who had a plan and a purpose for my life. It said, dear friend. And I followed and began to read it. At the very end, it said, this plan and purpose is for you. Love your friend Jesus. And there at the bottom was... Psalm 139, verses 13 through 17. And I opened up the Bible and I read that and I heard God say, you're not an accident, Kelly. You were made on purpose and for a purpose. And then last year, last year, that particular verse was rolling through my head as I laid in a hospital bed, struggling to breathe because of COVID pneumonia. The doctors begin to prepare me to go on a ventilator. And that verse from Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, the Holy Spirit brought it back to my mind as I was laying there in bed. And I remembered the words of Paul, for me to live is Christ, but to die will be gain. And I begin to say, okay, God, I understand I understand. I know being with you is going to be better. And I look forward to that. The thought of my family being here without me made me sad. But God, I know I'll see them someday because, well, Leah knows Jesus. Rachel knows Jesus. Emma knows Jesus. Colson knows Jesus. So even if my time here on earth is done, I'll get to be with them again. And I said these words to God. I remember laying there in the bed thinking back of being knitted together in my mom's womb, thinking back to those teenage years when God saved me. And here I was needing God to save me again. And I said, God, if I continue to live, I will live like Paul said, focused, purposeful, and intentional. For if I'm alive, I'm alive for you. If I die, I'll be with you, and that'll be good. 
Listen, I know that being with God when I'm done here on earth is going to be better. It is. Because I made Jesus my Lord and Savior, I know that I will spend eternity with God. The Bible says in Romans 10, 19, if you confess with your mouth, Lord Jesus, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you're saved. You're saved. You're saved. That means you're saved for eternity, saved from hell and saved for God. The place where I will spend eternity will be with God. And let me describe, matter of fact, I'm going I'm to get a little sidebar here. Because we forget sometimes where our destination is. Oh, man. As believers, we're going through some tough stuff now. But guess what we have to look forward to? A time with God where there will be no more pain. Oh, no more sorrow. God showed the prophet John what eternity will be like. In the book of Revelation, chapter 21, God gave us a glimpse so that we could be encouraged knowing that this does not define us here on earth. Let me read to you Revelation, chapter 21, verses 3 through 4. Take a look on the screen. This is what we have to look forward to. John says this, I heard a loud shout from the throne of God saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them. They will be his people. God himself will be with them. Here's what he'll do when he's with us. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. Here it is. All these things are gone forever. See, that's what Paul was saying when he said, for me to live is Christ. I'm on mission. To die is going to be gain because he knew this is what he would be going to. When I was laying there in the hospital bed, I knew this is where I would be going to. But Lord, as long as I'm alive, I'm on mission. I'm on mission. See, heaven means being with God. Hell means being separated from God for eternity. Heaven, being with God, means no more pain, no more sorrow, no more death. And that's what all followers of Jesus Christ have forward to, li to look forward to. That eternal place of joy. But, and there's a lot of buts in the Bible, a lot of big buts in the Bible. This is one of those big buts. Yeah, I know y'all laughing, silly people. <laughs> While we are here, we are on mission. For everyone who has said yes to Jesus Christ, we are on mission. When I regained consciousness, they put me on a ventilator. Six weeks later, after struggling and almost dying a couple of times, I was revived out of that coma. And when I regained consciousness, I realized I'm still alive. And I'm on mission. My life would be continually focused, purposeful, and intentional for Jesus. Like what Paul says in verse chap verse, chapter 1, verse 20, B says this, I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ. See, Paul says as he's in prison, I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ. When I laid there and I was waking up out of that, that coma, Lord, I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ. 
There is deep joy in the midst of challenges, in the midst of facing death, when we are purposeful, when we are intentional, and when we are focused on Jesus Christ. That's what we have to look forward to, and that's how we can live here on earth. Focused, purposeful, and intentional. So let me break down a little bit on those three things. Focus. Focus. We see how Paul was focused. He was focused, obviously. We read about this. Later on, in the book of Hebrews, the author of Hebrews would illustrate what focus means. On the count of three, I want everybody to say focus. One, two, three. Focused. Take a look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It says this. Let us run with endurance the race that God has put before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Focus. Keeping our eyes on the prize. How many of you guys like to watch the Olympics when the Olympics are around? Whether it's the Winter Olympics or something. Wave, wave at me if you're Olympics people. You like to watch it. I love it. Matter of fact, I love modern Olympics because of all the cool camera angles they get. You know, high definition, focusing in on the athlete, whether it's a swimmer or a runner, they're focused in and you can see the pores on their nose. It's that close and that detail. You see the sweat running down their brow. You see the glint in their eye. And what I love about that is when they focus in on the athlete just before they start their event, man, you can see in their eyes what Rocky used to call the eye of the tiger. Remember that? You see that in these athletes. And you know what that is? It's focus. They've got their eyes. They may be looking down a track. They may be looking down a pool. But they're seeing gold. That's what they're looking at. And you see the gold in their eyes. They keep their eyes on the prize. And that is what keeps them going through their race. This is how we're called to live as followers of Jesus Christ. Keeping our eyes fixed on him. Because if our eyes get off of him, oh man, look out. The enemy's going to have a heyday with you. Because now your eyes are off of him. And now he can have his way with you. He can distract you. I see this in our society and our culture today. We're so distracted. And Jesus is saying, look to me. Listen to me. Uh, when I was in high school, I played football. I was a split-end wide receiver, loved playing football, unfortunately didn't get to play in college, had a couple of reasons, won't go into that, but the couple of years that I did get to play football, man, I loved it, and it was the, the, the best time was especially this, I remember this one particular day, it was a day where we were playing at the stadium, it was on a Friday night, the lights were bright. I mean, it's everything you can imagine as a young kid. I was the split end starting on first string, and I was looking for the glory catch to run into the end zone. And about halfway through the game, I finally got the play that called for the, the long pass where the quarterback would drop back and he would let go of the ball. And I was supposed to be as fast as I could get downfield close to that end zone, catch that ball and run in for a touchdown. And man, it was time. It, this was the day it was going to happen. 
and I heard the quarterback say, hike, and off I ran. I did my post move, and I broke away from my defender, and I got into the open. The quarterback threw long and hard. I reached up, and I grabbed that ball. I caught it in my hands. I pulled it in close, and as I pulled it in close, I looked over to the stadium bleachers, and I saw all these cute girls yelling, Kelly, go, and I'm like, oh, yeah, check them out. Look at me. I was looking at the girls, and I did not see the middle linebacker coming at me at about a million miles an hour. He hit me right in the side and knocked me out of the game. I was done for the rest of the game. I couldn't breathe. I was out. I missed the the touchdown. Why? Because of those stinking girls in the stadium. (laughs) Girls. Oh, I could blame them, but that's not their fault. They're just cheering, doing what they do. It was me. I took my eyes off the prize. I took my eyes off the goal, and I was knocked out of the game. Listen, the enemy of God wants to get you out of the game. He's going to get you distracted with issues, challenges, heartache, opinions, arguments, disagreements. Enemy's going to use anything he can to get your eyes off of Jesus. Then he'll swoop in and knock you out of the game. How do we know joy? Focus. Keeping our eyes on Jesus and what he's called you to. Raising a family in the ways of the Lord. Being a light on your job site. A light of hope. A light of love. When you go onto that school campus, being a representation of love and compassion, keeping our eyes focused. Second type of mindset is a purposeful mindset. Everybody say purposeful. Purposeful. You hear it in Paul's voice. Take a look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 25. Paul says this, knowing this, okay, he knows this, I am convinced. Now, this is for sure. This is confidence. He's saying, knowing all of this, I am convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. Paul's purpose was clear, helping others. He knew it. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Though I would like to be with you, Lord, as long as I'm alive, I'm on purpose. And this is my purpose, helping all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. He was alive to help others, and he knew it. See, listen, our purpose is not about getting more stuff. It's not about more toys. It's not about more fame. It's not about more popularity. It's not about more likes on your Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever. It's not about more promotions. It's not about more, 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 more of anything. Real joy, deep joy comes from purposefully helping others. Check this out. You'll feel good. When you do good, God made you that way. When you do good, it feels good. I know. If you think about that, it almost sounds selfish, doesn't it? You're doing good because it makes you feel good. It can sound selfish, but it's not. 
God put it in you to feel good when you do good. It's actually not selfish. It's self-fulfilling because it's why you were made to do good. It's the way God designed you. That's why Jesus says in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, he says, it's more blessed to give than to receive. You are more blessed when you're doing good and giving than when you're receiving because you're designed that way to give, to give. Oh, it feels so good, doesn't it? That's our purpose. There is a greater blessing when we give and do good to help others. Why? Because you get joy. You get joy when you do good. Thirdly and lastly today, let me grab my water, excuse me. Joyful mindset, being intentional. Everybody say intentional. intentional. Let me read Philippians chapter one, verse 27. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Did you hear that? Matter of fact, I need everybody to listen to that. Above all, you must conduct yourselves as citizens of where? Of where? As a follower of Jesus Christ, when you said yes to Jesus, you traded your spiritual passport. You're now a citizen of heaven. This weekend, we celebrate the privileges and liberties we have because we are Americans. I was born here in the United States. I'm a naturalized citizen. I was raised in America. And I am thankful to be part of this country. When people talk about their cultural backgrounds, such as being Mexican, Italian, Chinese, African, I think to myself, when I think about me, I was adopted. I don't even know where my ancestors came from, but I know where I was born. I'm an American. It's what I am. It's what I am. It's my culture. But we're reminded here in Philippians 1 that our true citizenship is in heaven. It's not here on earth. Before I'm an American, I'm a Christian. Do you hear what I said? Before I'm an American, I'm a Christian first. Jesus first. I got a new spiritual passport when I said yes to Jesus. And as such, I have a responsibility to be a representative of God here on earth. Because my citizenship is in heaven. But while I'm here, I represent God. I represent Jesus. And I want to represent Jesus authentically genuinely and accurately. That's our calling. Not because I'm a pastor. I don't do good. I don't represent Jesus just because I'm a pastor. If today I stopped pastoring refinery, I'm still a follower of Jesus Christ. I still represent Jesus no matter where I go, no matter what I do, no matter how I serve. And that's true for you. If you said yes to Jesus, you represent him here. And so consider your words. Consider your actions. Our true citizenship requires us to live intentionally for Jesus. We don't do good or behave morally to earn a place in heaven. That's not how scripture tells us. Salvation is a free gift. It can't be earned. We do good 
We behave morally and intentionally because our names are written in heaven. That's why we do good. And as such, as citizens of the kingdom of God representing him, consider this poem that was written, gosh, a hundred years ago. Take a look on the screen. You are writing a gospel, a chapter each day. By the deeds that you do and the words that you say. People read what you write, whether faithful or true. Just what is the gospel according to you? Sounds like something Dr. Seuss would have written, huh? Maybe if Dr. Seuss were a Christian, he would have written that. Come on up here, Tatiana. Come on up here, band intentionally living. I see people going through life, bebopping through, trying to figure it out, trying to know what to do. To know joy, we've got to live focused on Jesus. To know joy, we have to know that we were made on purpose and for a purpose. And to know deep joy, we need to live intentionally representing the God of the universe, the king of all kings, through love and compassion and all sorts of things. Focused, purposefully, intentionally on Jesus. Feel free to kick it up there, Elijah. Today you might say other things have taken priority in your life. Other things, other activities, other people have taken precedent, have taken priority. If you're lacking deep joy, I want you to just kind of look right now inside and go, God, has something else been more important than you? Has someone else been more of my focus? Am I accidentally just kind of going through life without living on purpose? Today, I invite you to refocus, to tune in and make Jesus more clear by simply saying, yes, Jesus, I make you my Lord. I make you my Savior. I put you as king in my life. Make a commitment today to say, I'm going to be intentional about my actions, about my words, that they would bring honor and glory to you, Lord God. Don't wait. Don't wait. Because joy comes. Joy comes when we're focused, when we're purposeful and intentional about Jesus Christ. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, would you just join me in prayer? Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word that challenges us and encourages us. We thank you for the Apostle Paul who demonstrated as an example of a person who was facing all sorts of challenges, trials, and tribulations, yet in the midst of it, he knew joy because he was focused on the prize, and that was you, Jesus. He was purposeful in his heart because he knew you made him on purpose and for a purpose. And everything he did as a citizen of heaven was intentional while he was here on earth. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I pray that we would accept that challenge to live in that way. Will you do that right now? Just take a moment with the Lord. 
do some business with God, whether you're online, watching online, or whether you're outside or inside. Just take a moment to say, God, I wanna, I'm refocusing on you. I acknowledge that you have created me with a purpose and I'm gonna live intentionally for you while I'm here on earth. This is my commitment because this is my calling. In the name of Jesus Christ. Can we all say amen together? Amen, 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 amen. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you were blessed by today's message. For more great content and information about Refinery Church, find us at wearerefinery.com and our socials, We Are Refinery. If you would like to help support and give to the ministry, visit our website at wearerefinery.com forward slash give. See you on our next episode at the Refinery Church Podcast.